Hey, before we get into the USI interview today, um, I just want to let you guys know about a new thing I've been doing every Friday on Zoom. Um, it's been doing an open call-in show. Um, people can just call in on Zoom and talk about photography or whatever. Um, everybody's welcome. It's been interesting just having different photographers come on and we all just kind of talk about photography and what they're working on and look at work. Um, so every Friday on Zoom from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, you can go to the Photo Banter Instagram page and the Zoom link will be in the bio. So if you go to the Photo Banter on Instagram, you can click the Zoom link for every Friday from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on Zoom. It's just a call-in show for photography. Um, so look forward to talking to you guys and uh, definitely check that out this Friday. Thanks. Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Yu Sai. Yu Sai has worked with clients such as Apple, Coca-Cola, Victoria's Secret, and Sports Illustrated, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Yu about how he started off his career working in film production and what led him to pursue a career in fashion and commercial photography. Yu has worked with everyone from Leonardo DiCaprio, Nicole Kidman, Alicia Keys, and P. Diddy, to name a few. His work has appeared on the covers of Cosmopolitan, Variety, Esquire, and GQ. I also speak to you about his experience working on the legendary Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, as well as his experience judging the hit TV show, America's Next Top Model. You is someone who brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to the photo industry, so I was excited to get a chance to speak with him. So I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, Yusai, welcome to the podcast, man. Excited to have you on. Photographer, uh, foodie, uh, multi-talented director, all this stuff, man. So excited to get into it with you. Um, I guess first off, like I've been talking to everybody, like crazy time to be alive. Like how's life been for you uh, with everything with the pandemic, work, life? Like how are you doing? You know, every day it changes. And, and first of all, thank you for having me. And it's such a pleasure being here with you. To be able to speak to someone during this time about anything that we're doing is always a pleasure. Yeah. Um, this pandemic is interesting for me personally. I, I kept myself very productive in a way of staying creative because I if I'm not doing and creating, I'll go crazy. I wish I had the mindset to be able to say, oh, let me take a break and go on vacation or a staycation in this case. Mm-hmm. I've never been that person. So during this time, I kept myself probably even busier than before the pandemic, for sure. Yeah, because like looking at your Instagram, you've been doing a really cool interview series, which I believe is called Let's Talk with you, Cy. Um, Was that, did you just start that like during the pandemic pretty much? Absolutely. And podcast has always been something that I've been very much interested in doing. And because of my traveling schedule with jobs and we just never had an opportunity to sit down and, and do it. There's, there's been so many stories over the years of traveling with celebrities, with models, and even a group of just amazing talent I'm exposed to. And we always have amazing stories from sets, right? There's always great anecdotes and all this stuff that happens in our life as a photographer. And I always thought, well, it'd be amazing to share those stories with people. Hmm. And but I've never had a chance. So during this pandemic in the very beginning, people always want to know where did Let's Talk come from? Did it come from the fact that I have celebrity so-called friends or clients? And the and, and, and truth is, to be told, it came from 
the necessity for creative people to speak out loud. Yep. So in the very beginning of the pandemic, a lot of my friends were calling me saying, Lou, we really worry. How are we going to work? What are we going to do this time? We're losing sponsors. And my background is in advertising and marketing. So I got more than a few phone calls about what the marketing the world's going to shift. You know, people wanted to know how is it going to shift and how do we adjust and how do we use the word, the word everybody's using, pivot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the time, I just had a, a inkling and I, based on the marketing history, I knew that creating content is most important during this time. And whatever that content is based on the people who want to create them. But for me, I encourage my makeup artists and hairstylist friends and stylist friends to talk about what they love. And because in the early beginning that we were all in this panic and we need to have some positive affirmation out there for ourselves, celebrate ourselves, celebrate each other. And, and we did that for about two weeks. I just invited my friends who are hair, makeup, stylists, and, and just having conversation and reliving these amazing moments we had together. But the show evolved as the pandemic evolves as the seriousness of, of what we're in and a Black Lives Matter movement happened, Asian for Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. gay pride movement, Asian American celebration movement, and this month is, is Hispanic celebration. It, it became very obvious to me that there's a greater purpose than just talk about and celebrate our work. And at times it's not even appropriate to do that, right? So yeah. I, I then pivot the show. And the show in the beginning was really to help raise money to bring in PPE from Asia. Uh, Cause I have connection there. My brother's in the import and export business. Okay. So I really wanted to make sure that we were able to bring in masks in when they were, they were lacking by the US government. Yep. And we had resources to bring them in. So we started raising funds for every guest that came on the show. I donated 500 masks wow. and they have an opportunity to match me. So that's equivalent about $200 a day. So every guest that come on, I donate that out of pocket and hope they would match. And most of them did. And some like Mila Jovovich donated $10,000 to bring 30,000 masks to the New York hospitals. Damn, that's amazing. Incredible, right? So that's when I realized that humanity and conversation about humanity is more important. So I started pivoting and and real really look into what, matters to me not just as a photographer but me as an entity right yeah but the facets of career i had what do i want people to remember me as and and what do i want to talk about so that's how the show has evolved into such a different broad span of guests yeah i think it's great man because like as you know as a photographer i'm a photographer myself and like it or not a, a part of the business a large part of it is just promoting yourself it's like look at my work look what i'm doing so like I'm in the same boat, like obviously you want to make a living, but at the same time, like you've been in this for a business for years and years, like you're at a point where you can give back. So it's like an amazing thing to do because that's one thing I actually don't like about photography sometimes is like, obviously I'm promoting myself, but after a while, I don't know if you feel this way. I kind of get sick of promoting myself all the time. Like I want to talk to other people and that's kind of the same thing. Like why I did this and like, what can you do to get back? So I think it's really amazing. You, you've been doing that, man. Well, thank you so much. And because photography is a, 
is a is really a solitary world, isn't it? And you work in a solitary way, and you have your pack of troop that comes with you on an execution day. Yeah. But after that, they really you go back into your own hibernation and develop ideas again, and then you come back out and you rally the troops. And the troops are not always the same, right? Yeah. Their hair, makeup, talent, subject matter. It's so different. So that there are periods of, of time in our career, and I can say this for just about every photographer. We go through this emotional roller coaster, right? You celebrate the moment you're working with even hundreds of people on set at times to, to be there for you and support you find that singular vision to execute. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have to go back to your solitary hibernation again and go, okay, how do I create that moment again so that I'm awake again, right? Because that's yeah. what we do as artists. And I know from, from being a business yourself, you can understand that. And I knew that for me, I was never just a photographer. Yeah. It wasn't what I wanted to do. It was a, it was not a journey. I went to school for it. You know, it, it happened because out of necessity for me, yeah. I felt the time and I, and and it evolved. It really has evolved. And my career has always been that way. I allowed things to evolve. And the talk show, Let's Talk Live, came from the natural evolution of the necessity, I feel like, at the time and what my work and the purpose my work can contribute to the to the climate we're in. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of cool looking at your page, like like you do a lot of different stuff with like the food stuff and the interviews and your photography, obviously. And it seems like you've been able to adapt as a photographer and turn in the way you market yourself and use new technologies. Like you got your YouTube page, you're doing your Instagram, you're doing cool stuff. Um, were you ever hesitant of using these new technologies? Cause like when you think about photography back in the day, it was like everyone had their leather bound book and they were showing their portfolio and then you're doing a little four by five cards. But now we have these new ways of like, putting yourself out there, which is a hard thing to do because like, even with me with this podcast is something I thought for a long time, but I was like, ah, you know, I might come off like corny. People are going to think it's weird, but it's like, how do you kind of view those those new technologies and kind of utilizing them to your advantage, I guess, with your work? Well, I came out into the photography world doing the transition where film went to digital. You know, I grew up in a lab because my father was a photographer. I grew up developing black and whites and smelling that sulfur you know, in the black room and the dark room. So I grew up in that environment. And when I first got into the entertainment business, I was directing commercials. Mm-hmm. So the transition into directing to photography happened at the time right after September 11th. And September 11th too, obviously had a huge impact on so many people's career. And mine in particular was impacted because that very year, my work was being shown at Sundance. Um, I was winning Best Young Directors Awards. And, and usually that's when you go to Cannes and my work was submitted in Cannes. You go, you celebrate, you walk away directing a next feature film somebody's gonna give you. Yeah. But that didn't happen because yeah. September 11th happened. And I wasn't getting a lot of work right after that because I was a multi-camera director. I was a special effects director. I, I came from special effect background. So if you don't doing, you're not doing green screen, you're not going to space, you're not, you're not diving underwater, swimming with shark kind of visual, you don't hire me. That's yeah. not what I do. And then you don't have a twist of fantasy. You wouldn't seek me out as a director. So at the time, and I, when I say necessity, because that the budget changed, it became a single camera technology type of movement during that time. And comedy became the most wanted work 
And directors like Tony Kay and these big name directors like Tarsim that I used to work for are now at that time start taking jobs that usually would come to young directors, right? It would be like Macy's commercials. Do you remember yeah. Tony Kay would show up at Macy's commercial? Well, I was bidding against him. I was like, whoa, this is ridiculous. I, I'm never going to get the opportunity. So I always want to have a camera in my hand when I'm directing or shooting and, and DP my own work. So I decided I'm going to shoot stills. Mm-hmm. And I had a um, commercial director at uh, agent at the time who represented amazing photographers. And I actually went to him and said, listen, I think I want to do photography. Will you, rep- will you represent me as a photographer? And he said, no. He yeah, actually, did you even have like a portfolio really at that point or not really? No. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I have plenty of awards from directing and I figure he will understand I can transition. But what he told me at the time was, it'll take you five to six years to develop your career. We don't have time to like nurture you. We, or we represent, boy, representing Boy George, Anamika, like big, huge name in it, like Melanie McDaniel. These are the people I look up to, like massive names. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm on your roster for directing. They wish they can be on a roster for directing because I'll be a photographer one to direct. And I was going backwards. I thought it would be easy in. It wasn't. Yeah. So when he said no to me that day, I, I, I thought, all right, well, I don't take no for an answer, but I would never go to somebody who doesn't support me. So I told him I quit. Wow. They take me off the roster as a director because you obviously don't know how to represent me as a person. You want to mm-hmm. represent my work and make money off me, but I'd rather you don't. So we part our ways. And then I went to New York and started working on my portfolio. As mm-hmm. everybody said, you're supposed to do it, work on a portfolio. So I did. So I shot six months straight on my own every weekend. Well, I'm not doing art directing. I'm not designing houses because I'm always in a design world. And I have an advertising agency for the last 20 years. Yeah. So in between ad jobs, doing creative directing, I would then go to a studio, my friend's studio, and use a studio and shoot. So that's how I built my work in New York. And before I even left New York to come back to LA, I got the Avon contract. Oh, wow. So you're working and for them like directly? I started working on them right away shooting um, beauty. Okay. So I was very fortunate because um, there was one agent at the time who saw my work and really believed in me. And it was a really small agency and they're not even around anymore. I remember he just said, you know, I know I can sell your work and I like and I like what you're about and I like your point of view. And to be honest, I didn't even know my own point of view at that time, mm-hmm. right? I just knew this is what excites me. Beauty is what excited me. Um, I didn't know the beauty market is bigger than fashion market. None of that understanding other than I just want to work. So uh, my agent at the time is Scott and he was, he was incredible and, and pivotal to my career because she took me on. And once you have a New York agent, that believes in you, it does make a difference in the global aspect at that time. Yeah. Right. Free social media, you don't get to sell yourself, your agent do all the work for you. So yeah, so it was from then I started um, shooting. And you I didn't really answer your question about technology and I well now. And that is it's when I first started shooting and designing, I was working with Shia Day ad agency. I took Legendary. Creative. Yeah, but as a creative, I was an art director. I was doing creative development. I was doing treatment development with them. So I wasn't hired yet as a photographer. I eventually did work with them as a photographer. But at that time, I understood digital 
transition between film and digital. Okay, I came from that world. I was teaching at Art Center Pasadena in, in post-production and, and uh, Photoshop and retouching. So I knew this is a trend that was happening and I knew the technology, I knew the knowledge, the transition. Mm-hmm. So they actually asked me to help them to develop a studio that converts film into, into digital. So I embraced the digital aspect of it and I was lucky enough to be in the forefront of it, you know, and, and I even did consultation with Condé Nest to, to um, assist them, educate them on how the print media is going to evolve into the digital format. Because in the beginning, magazine was still weren't accepting digital. If you give them digital, they'll take it and put it on film and take it from film back to print, which is a laborious process and is expensive. So I came out of that period where Everybody was like, oh, digital looks like shit, blah, blah, blah. But I was teaching Photoshop. I knew how to make film grains. I worked with my friends at the time were developing apps for, you know, all the filters for Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and healing brushes done with my friend Ben. He was like, back in the day, a Kai Power tool. Then <laughs> we know each other and and he would use me as a testing, you know, guinea pig on skin healing brush before mm-hmm. Adobe eventually adapted into that program. So I was very fortunate and lucky. I'm blessed by these incredible people around me that that was at this hype of digital. Yeah. I, so I, I look at it like, cause it's easy to get stubborn on like how things were, but it's like now, like anytime some new technology comes out, it's like, oh, like I'm going to try that out and mess with it and see what you can do with it. Cause like, I think a lot of times, not always like, obviously you have to have a perspective. That's a major important part of what we do. But like, if you can, utilize new technologies, it kind of gives you a leg up sometimes. Well, digital media is a marketing tool, period. I don't think I don't think TikTok is ever gonna make me a famous photographer and make me a famous personality. I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're dancing, I've seen those moves on there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I listen, I enjoy TikTok because it's really a place that not a lot of people on Instagram that have a huge fan base follow me on TikTok. Yeah which then means I can be as stupid as I want and I can release some of the energy as I want. I, you know, not always great at certain things, but if I do it because I enjoy it, I'll put on TikTok. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really cross over. The two hemisphere hasn't really crossed over yet. Um, but I, I love, I love to, I, I, I will have to say, I missed the TikTok when it first started mm-hmm. because I was in Asia, I was filming my cooking show and a lot of people like, you got to check out TikTok. You're great on Instagram. You got to do it. Your personality would be great. Create a channel. I was just like, I, I don't have time. It's just yeah. too much involvement. Yeah. Right. And the reason I jumped on TikTok now is because, you know, if you want to stay relevant with Gen Z's and you really want to to understand how people communicate now, you mm-hmm. you really do. If you don't want to be posting TikTok, at least watch, right? Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot of tricks on TikTok from from Jen. <laughs> and, and I love, I yeah. love it. And it's Ten like seconds, you can teach me something. I'll take it. And it's like um, it, it kind of obviously this to get in the door. Your portfolio has to be amazing. Like you got to take good pictures. But beyond that. I feel like, do you feel like your personality is like a lot of times can help you get hired for a job because like you're traveling the world, you're going to spend times with all these art directors for weeks at a time and they want to work with people they get along with. So like you putting those TikToks up there, kind of, you can get a sense, like even me, like I've never met you before, but I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun interview because it's looking at your stuff. Like this dude's like laid back. He has a good time. And because a lot of times, sure, art directors you work with on a campaign, you've never met them before. You get your book called in 
and they're they're looking at your Instagram, looking at your website to get a sense of who you are. So it's almost like a tool in a sense. Well, it's a plus and a minus, right? There's yeah. a positivity and negativity comes with it. I came from this notion of American Next Top Model because I was on the show for two seasons. I ended up doing four more in Asia's Next Top Model and I host a lot of shows in Asia. So I do put those on my Instagram and I do put it so my the, 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 the consumers, the art directors or whoever, creative director can see those are the multifaceted of me. Mm-hmm. But by showing all those multifaceted of me, I'm also subjected to judgment, right? It's subject to, well, he's, is he focused? Yep. Is he a great photographer or he's a great dancer or is he a great chef? What is he? And I, I, I can tell you in the very beginning, I was very concerned. Like, yeah. oh, if I do too much cooking content, are they thinking I'm giving out photography? But to be honest, now, I really don't give a shit. Yeah, like, dude. You just got to do what you want. Like, that's, I just that's, love what I do, right? Yeah. And I, I shoot every single food photography myself. Do I want to be a food photographer and compete for food photography? No, I just do it because I, I, I came from still life training. So I still love shooting food, mm-hmm. but it's not like, oh, he's trying to be a food photographer. I, I think that's what we do, right? We look at social media, we look at marketing, and we start judging what this person wants to do. Yep. And, and same thing with podcasts, right? As I've done all these live shows of 120 guests, you know, I know some people ask me, are you going to stop shooting and just do this? And I go, well, I don't start taking a piss in the morning because I started. <laughs> why would I stop being me yeah. and this multifaceted of me? And I think that's why I embrace technology because I get to say, guess what? I'm now in Asia and I play a chef on TV and I can cook and you love me for that. Great. If you don't, don't follow me. Yeah. Right? Or yes, I used to dance professionally and did I need to put on my resume to get hired to shoot for Vogue. I hope not. But if you like the fact I'm a dancer before and you know I can move and you think that that's going to benefit your photo shoot because I'm shooting an artist that doesn't know how to move really well and I can coach them, fantastic. But I don't do it on purpose. I don't do it with a purpose. You know what I mean? I do it because truly that's me. All of it. I love it, man, because like the business women, we're creators, man. And that's what it being like being a true creative, man, is like throwing shit up against the wall, man. See if it sticks. And even if it doesn't, if you had a good time like this fucking around with it, like that's what we're here to do, man. Get creative. So it's like don't like second guesses, I guess. Well, as a photographer, you know, people have this notion you just take pictures, but we're not right. We're graphic designers. We're looking at lines. We're looking at shape. We're painters. We're looking at foreground, middle ground background we're architects we're building picture that's solid doesn't fall it looks like it's balanced with all these multifaceted area of concentration into one Mm -hmm. but it's so quick for people to go oh you're a photographer therefore you are this and i never wanted that and i know it did benefit me as i exposed myself more in a way that people get to know me like i love the fact i shot hillary shrink last month we took a trailer drove out to her place and i cooked the entire way and did a whole blog about it for health magazine and then when i got there i cooked for the creative director (laughs) we shared the recipes and that journey to me is so incredible because it's not just about showing up and working for hillary strength right it was about cooking for the people i'm on a trip with you know making meal for creative director and and they appreciate it because i think Back in the days, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when I worked as a creative director at ad agencies, photographers are celebrated, elevated in a way that was I thought became really unhealthy, mm-hmm. right? And they were 
they were the gods on set. You don't talk to them. A lot of them still this day, it's a close set. Yo, you can't see yeah, what comes. I've, 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 I've assisted for some of those guys, man. And I don't want to be those guys. <laughs> I'm one of those person goes, dude, put a fight monitor wherever room you're in. See what I'm doing. <laughs> if you like it, say, I got it so we can move on. There's yeah. no, there's, that's not say we don't have egos. We do. We have yeah. egos in order to capture what we want. But when you show for advertising job, when you have clients, it's a true collaboration. If you, you're going to be there and go, okay, you can only take this image because this is the image I think your brand's about. Then you know what? Don't be a photographer. Go work as a creative director. Yeah. Because that's that's not, I never came from that mindset because I was a creative director before. I know the process. And I also give this advice to young photographers out there. When you work when the creative director or art director went on, when they're on set with you, I know it's a notion that we all do as photographers. We whisper to ourselves, God damn, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Yeah. All the time, right? <laughs> and we'll always go, oh, he has no clue. He just need me to figure it out. Yeah. We say these things. But here's the thing. There's been three months, four months of conceptual development, coordinating with clients, get clients to approve that concept. So that concept lands on the table for us to photograph. There's a reason. So I always tell young photographers, okay, they hire you because they think they can execute this particular concept. Shoot as they ask. And then ask to do what you think you can bring to the table. You might surprise them, but you should respect them. And they want the new surprise, great. They want to take what they want. Guess what? You're getting paid either way. Yeah. So how do you want to express yourself with your art, right? And I think that's when the ego thing has to tuck aside. And I think things have changed. Yep. Things have changed a lot since the Me Too movement. Things have changed a lot now that that. Anybody has a cell phone to keep yourself, you know, everyone accountable on set. Behavior have changed a lot. And for the old schoolers, you know, I honestly have to tell them that it's not going to last because only people who work for you are old schoolers in position. Yep. And when those old people leave, you're going to leave with them. Mm -hmm. and the young people are not going to tolerate it. And the movement of having more diversity in our business is happening. And the old schooler have to say that mostly white people are privileged. Yeah, for and, sure. And, and guess what? Move aside. Move aside. Yeah. That's one you thing know? I was going to ask you because I personally, I, I'm, I've never done fashion photography. It's not my lane. I have a lot of respect for it, but I, I can't say that I know a, a ton about it. Like the way you have spent a lot of your career working in these fields. And a lot of times for the common person, this might sound stupid, but when you see like fashion photography portrayed in movies and TV shows, it's always like, through the lens of like it's this like super toxic environment where like like we're saying it's and it's it was kind of really like that for years like it was always this like big egos and but you're saying you feel like that environment within fashion has changed a lot since you got into it listen i can only speak for myself i have changed yeah right for the 15 years i know in the very beginning i was i was insane I was crazy. <laughs> I I was eccentric in the way of not personally, but I I would show up on rollerblades and <laughs> have to awesome. the entire time and I would shoot. <laughs> you know, I, one of my closest friends was my hairstylist I've been working with for 10 years. He reminded me the other day. He goes, you know, the first day I met you, I thought you were the craziest person I ever met. I go, why? And he's like, you showed up with a personal dog walker and you had a yoga instructor there and you were doing yoga while we were doing hair and makeup. And I go, why should I change my life? Because you guys need three hours to do hair and makeup. 
<laughs> my yoga instructor is gonna was, come you, with me. You was getting loose. He's getting loose, man. <laughs> I, I was like, was, why would I all of a sudden not give my my dog walker a job because I'm on a job myself? I go, this is what I do. I said this and and in retrospective, was that crazy? I don't think it's crazy. I think maybe it's eccentric for other people who don't know me. I mean, there are definitely times. There was a period of time I'm like, I I need between one o'clock to 1.30 lunch and yeah. I don't eat lunch and I go swimming because that's what's going to give me chill and come back to work. And that's my choice, right? Yeah. Well, I'll take a spin class in the middle of a photo shoot. I'm yeah. like, okay, lunchtime and you have touch up an hour and a half. I'll see you guys <laughs> later. And I'll go 45 minutes in a, in a soul cycle, come back and like, let's shoot. I'm pumped. I like but it. That's, but that's my choice, right? But I, I know at that time, I was extremely loud. I didn't have any filter. I still don't have filter. So, so I say whatever I want. And my crew has, my core group has been with me for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. So everybody knows on my set, the comfort level, nothing's ever personal and anything that's uncomfortable, we address it right away. But because of the climate have evolved and changed, I too have to adjust how I behave. I don't ever want to not be fun. Yeah. I still want to be the crazy guy that's on set, but there's, there is a, there's a bit of a um, self check mm -hmm. of, of course, because we have evolved all of us. Yeah. And 15 years ago, models wouldn't dare talk back to me. I tell them, this is how I want you to be this is what you want to do. And I wasn't one of those photographers. Goes, you don't do it. You're fire. I wasn't that, but I was very, I'm a very hands-on direct director yeah. photographer. I pose them, I shape them, I work with them, and I'm known for that. And but nowadays, I may not physically touch them for yeah. the models I don't know. Let's say the models I don't know. Yeah. Right. Or I can tell that they just like, you know, having a little moment and I would leave them alone. But back in the days, I'm like, hey, snap out of it. Let's go. We got a client waiting. Right. So there's a balance. And is it okay? Sure. You know, it's evolution. And and we just find out respect and equilibrium what we need to do on set so yeah ever evolving no definitely and you know like a lot of younger younger photographers maybe listen to this you're they're looking at your website you've shot covers for like vogue harper's bazaar esquire a million others um like what advice would you get to them because i think a lot of people starting out there they just like how do you get your foot in the door like what do you remember about like your early days is like being a photographer like how do you get your foot in the door that's like i think the hardest thing to kind of get the train moving and like, was, did you ever doubt yourself early on, I guess? You know, this question gets asked a lot, right? As a photographer, when other people emulate what we do, they always want to know how'd you get started and, and how do you get into the door? And that's a great question. And I think for every photographer, they'll give different advice. For yep. me, I always tell people to shoot what you love. Honestly, shoot what you love. And I'll tell you a funny story. When I first started shooting, I was shooting men. Mm -hmm. I saw a beautiful men. I'm gay. So I'm like loving guys. I love shooting them. They were beautiful. They're yep. in the underwear. It was a trend. Everybody's like pubic hair was showing. That was a trend at the time. <laughs> Every magazine opened, everybody's pubic hair was showing. Oh, let's shoot pubic hair. And I built my entire book on these beautiful, gorgeous models. Mm -hmm. And and I showed my book to Shia Day. And an art buyer at Shia Day at the time, Jagisha Bouvier, she looked at my book and she said to me, are you done? Are you done? Are you done with this journey you're on? Because you got to get serious. If this is a journey you want to be on, you are in a pocket of a small region of work. Mm -hmm. You have the technique and you're celebrating what you love. Great. Do that on your own time. 
-hmm. Now take that knowledge you have learned. Let's apply to something else that, that that's, I hate to say the word, more commercially viable. Yep. Right. And it was because of her advice. I started then shooting women and I started pulling back and then I started pulling the underwear higher and higher so that you don't see pubic hair. <laughs> because I guess when you send your book to Shade and when their accounts is Nissan and Apple and they open a book, you see pubic hair, they're not really going to hire you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I did adjust my work and, and because of that advice and because I shot what I love and somebody recognized my passion for it, I was then hired by Shy Day six months later to shoot the Apple campaign. Mm. That was my true foot into the door into the business of photography. My first photo shoot was not fashion. It was actually fashion is since a commercial. And for people who want to go back and Google and figure out um, how Apple is considered fashion, yeah. back in the days, Apple was all silhouettes. Remember the silhouette dancing people? And Apple really needed to, to make a shift and change. And we did a lot of brainstorming with them. And we talked about bringing lifestyle component into the brand and really celebrate a brand that Apple products are accessories. So we started shooting really micro shots of just the hip with the phone that's attached or a earbud that is wrapped around the pocket. So we shot pockets. That's it. Tiny <laughs> micro shot of pockets, but within a little little pocket area you can see the type of belt the person's wearing the type of jean they're wearing or type of skirt they're wearing and you start getting a glimpse of lifestyle who that person is simply by the hand has tattoos on it or not or there's a wedding ring or not so all those little itty-gritty details from graphic design that my background came into play of what makes this campaign so to get into the industry not only was i shooting and celebrating men because of men's work i would get asked by gay-centric magazine to shoot for them. And there were free racks in New York subways that you can pick up, you know? There yeah. were I have to tell you, at the time, and I'm glad for this, I didn't have an agent, and I say yes to everything. Yeah. I wasn't afraid that I was shooting for Frontier magazine. That's a free rack, and it was Hollywood, or or HX, which was a free ride that you get the, the the subway station on the N train with guys in underwear and the back is massage ads, you know, but I didn't care. I cared that somebody loved my work, saw my work and think that my work is good enough to be in this magazine. I never put my nose up in the air for any magazine. I can tell you that I've always said, if I can elevate them, let's do it. Yeah, but, for, yeah, for sure. Because like opportunities are hard to come by in this right. industry. And that art director, this small magazine, they're grinding it out the same way you are. They're trying to get to GQ or Vogue or whatever. So if you can build that relationship, because you, I can see it on your Instagram, man. Like you've built these relationships with like the people that you're shooting, the people you're working with. And like, that's like a big part of this industry, right? Absolutely. And, and to your to your comment and the people I shot for the gay rags when they love to work, I could hire an out magazine to shoot yeah. covers with Anne Hathaway and and Iman and and Tom Ford. You know, it was <laughs> crazy, but because that art director have seen happened to have picked up a gay rag for free to see my work and know that oh. His work can translate over yeah. to what we're doing. And they didn't judge me for it. They didn't go, oh, that photographer is shooting this Mac. And I, I got to tell you, in New York, there's definitely been a, there was a mentality at that time. If you shoot for Harper's, you'll never shoot for Vogue. Mm. 
If you shoot for Vogue, you can shoot for Harper's. You shoot for Cosmo, you cannot shoot for Glamour. What right? what is what is the mindset there? What what is that? It's it's like you're on our team or you're not or like right. There's a bit of elitism in in our yeah. business. Back yeah. then, everybody had contracts, right? Everybody wants contracts. All those contracts are gone. Just so you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. gone. Nobody has contracts. <laughs> and you know, and and because of that, as an immigrant. As a minority, I never saw my myself as a minority yeah. when I was shooting then. But I recognize the fact that now, today, that many magazines that would at the time deem secondary market seeked out for me to shoot for them because they knew I never judged them in that way. And that's a lot of Asian magazine publication. When new Harper's Bazaar opens in Asia, they know they can call out me. And I would celebrate with them and I'll bring the A-list model relationship I have. And that's like Harper's Bazaar Singapore. We have this relationship for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. I remember when I started shooting for them, agency would go, why are you shooting that magazine? Why? You're already in the US, you're established. I mean, you're not going to get great models. I go, watch me. Yeah, I'll use my relationship to build. And over the years, that magazine has rightfully stand strong in A-list models in every single cover. Yeah. And, and it's because people do tree certain publication that way. Essence Magazine, for example. You know, at the time, it was hard for them to find photographer at the certain caliber to shoot for them. Mm-hmm. When I got to shoot for them, I'd done probably 30 or 40 covers for them over time. Wow. And, and I never understood how anybody would treat that magazine or treat any magazine in secondary when there's a market. I'm shooting Joe Scott. I'm shooting... Alicia Keys, Legend. you know, it's crazy when you look back at that and go, I wasn't a Janet Jackson. Yep. You're telling me that your ego is too big to show up for Janet Jackson when it, because it's essence. In fact, I want to shoot her for essence to celebrate her color as I am shooting for Asian publication because I'm Asian. Yep. I think maybe it's, maybe it's a colorism within our business. Maybe white people don't realize that, you know, they're privileged. 100%. You know, I, I'm sorry to say that, but I, when I look back and you look at how much, how many agencies I have worked with and how many of them have looked down on me because of the work I have done, um, therefore would not take me on. Says, I'll give you an example. There was a huge agency at the time, no longer exists, called JetRoot. And for those yep. people listening who's been around, know they're elite of all elite. When I met with them, they looked at my book and it was the most disrespectful thing I've ever been in, in any situation. Yep. She showed up with a flip-flop. She didn't care to give me time of day, flipped through the book with dirty hands yep. and, as you, and fingerprints all over the print. I mean, it was like killing me watching her do this to my book. And I said quietly and just say nodded. And she would look at my book and say, well, this is just all trash. That's what she said? Yeah, she's like, if you want to be with us. We have to throw this entire thing out and build you from the start. Yeah. I go, build me from the start. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, well, you can't shoot for ever again for Hearst. You will only hold out for Vogue. And I'm out. Well, okay. Can you tell me the budget for Vogue? Because I got rent. Yeah, for real. Right. Editorial doesn't pay. You're telling me I, you don't want me to stop promoting by shooting editorials, which we all know as photographers, we shoot editorial for that. And she looked at me and said, you'll never go anywhere. 
because you're not listening to advice, so we won't take you on. Here's and here's I, the here's the funniest thing with those situations. Obviously, uh, I've had similar situations in doing these portfolio reviews. Obviously, I'm a white dude. It's completely different in certain situations. I, I understand that, but I think it's funny when people like that shit on you like that because what they don't realize is like. I don't want to fucking work with you anyways, man. Like there's it's other so people, bad, right? there's other people I can go collaborate with. Like, sure. You work at this fancy place, but which is all good and great. But at the end of the day, I'm still artist. I can do other stuff. It's like, well, I stood up and I said, well, thank you for your time. And I will be shooting for 14 days for Apple. And after that, I have a 24 days contract with Coca-Cola as, and you welcome to have represented me and take commission. But now, yeah. Since you think everything I do is trash, yeah, get anything. And, so bye. <laughs> and and here's the thing: like, I'm not against like having people like criticism for our work or having input. I think it's important, but there's like a way to go about it. And like with those situations, it's yeah, it's exactly. Elitism and fashion breeds that, right? Fashion breeds that. That if you're not shooting for Chloe Gucci, or you don't show up for you don't show up with a pair of shoes that's a brand name. All of a sudden, you're not in fashion, guys. Yeah. I'm telling you now, I'm a t-shirt and jeans kind of guy. And yeah. they can say, so LA if they want, I don't care. Yeah, I have one cool leather jacket. I'll put it on. I'll put a beanie on in the middle of the summer. I'll be as LA as possible because I actually celebrate the fact that I made my career in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I know you talk to many other photographers, like me, like Brian Bowen Smith and yep. people I, I respect in this industry. A lot of us had to go against the grain and, and, and work really hard to build our name mm-hmm. in LA. Because yep. LA was like, oh, secondary market again, right? I, I have to say, I was one of the very first photographer in Los Angeles shooting fashion. Mm-hmm. And that's because I knew it's possible because I had an opportunity to work with Herb Ritz while he was alive. Wow. Like Brian, like Brian, who was on his set, Brian Bowen Smith, for those of you guys who are listening, check yep. out his work, amazing work that he does. Yeah. He focused on a lot of celebrities and I wanted to focus on fashion and a lot of people just keep saying, you can't do it while you're in LA. I go, why not? I don't want to move to New York. My space is here. I had a staff of 20 and I have an advertising firm. Why would I just leave this? But anyways, I'm very, very proud to have stuck with it and find fight the grain. Mm-hmm. And now look at how many amazing photographers are globally. Right. Yeah. People are moving to Colorado. People are moving to Aspen, you know, it, it, because it is one stop, one, you know, train ride when you're outside of New York City and Williamsburg. I remember back then when I was looking for an apartment in Europe. Oh, no, if you don't live in a city, then you're not a photographer. I mean, these notions of what you're supposed to do to be a photographer, it's just garbage. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, look at like one of my favorite photographers ever is Sally Mann. I think she lives oh. in, in like North Carolina or something or like good. Im- if you have good images, man, like it, it don't matter. Like it, it, they speak for themselves. It's just like it's going to open the doors for you. It, it, I think it's dedication. You know, the, so advice, shoot what you love. If you love bugs, shoot bugs. If you like flowers, <laughs> shoot flowers. Because an art director who's really great can see your eye, can see your vision. Mm-hmm. will be able to translate that into what they're seeking for, right? Yep. Yes, there are people going to hire you because you 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 paint purple apples perfectly and they want a perfect apple. Yep. Right? But there's going to be somebody who wants a red apple to hire you anyways because you're good at the red part and they'll complete the purple part, right? Yeah. And I think people forget that. And I, But there is a common thread that you must have as an artist that people can celebrate with you. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, over the years, I made sure 
at least it's one common thread, no matter what I'm shooting, I'm always celebrating women in the way that they're powerful and the majestic and the goddesses, right? Mm -hmm. That was, because they're my Barbie dolls, right? I show up, yeah. they're my Barbie dolls. I get to dress them up. I didn't play Barbie when I was young. And now I get to, which is amazing. Yeah. So I always, from brands like Guess to Free Soul to all these different denim brands I worked on over the years and Sports Illustrated. Yeah. They were all these amazing, incredible goddesses. I mean, they are creatures, right? They're not really human in any means. They're <laughs> 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 a secret angel. They're not humans. Yeah, know? for real. But, but the commonality of all the work I do, I hope that people see that there's an ultimate love and respect for the women I shoot mm -hmm. and how much I celebrate them being the creature I want them to be for the day. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I was interested in talking to you about, obviously, you work in the fashion industry. You, you do all types of different brands. You, you, you've shot for SI Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition for years. And, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of conversation within the fashion industry that it promotes like an unrealistic body type for young women. And it's like a negative thing. I guess, like, what's your perspective, like working in this business? And like, have you seen like things change in terms of like the type of models they use over the years of your career? What's kind of your overall view of that? That conversation well great question and it's a subject matter that is just way overdue yep right when i first started shooting women beauty i did not even care they can fit in the clothes or not because i'm shooting beauty and at the time it was because nobody was styled for me they didn't think i'm anybody in the business that mm -hmm. they didn't want to style for me so i never needed me to close so i wasn't I wasn't on the constitutional ride with these brands that wanted women to be size two. Yeah. Right. And that wasn't my subject matter. My subject matter has always been beautiful, voluptuous, curvy women without even with, I have to say without knowing that's what they are, yep. but I visually find them beautiful and sexy. Therefore I want to shoot them because I'm coming from the nineties. Right. I love my Cindy Crawfords and Claudia Schiffers and I own, uh, you know, Naomi Campbell's and and these you know, Stephanie Seymour's like they all curvy beautiful girls and like that was something that I've always drawn toward. Yeah. So I thought that's should be celebrated regardless. So the models I cast have always been that way. But I can tell you, in the early days, agent would tell me, "Oh, don't shoot her right now because she's fat," or "Oh, she won't be able to fit into the clothes." And yes, those conversations our business conversation back then and mm -hmm. they're pivoting now. Yep. But I know for me, especially in the early years of shooting for guests has always celebrated, you know, busty girls. Mm -hmm. Maybe they went a little too far these days, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the TikTok of his own. Yeah. Um, but, but I always wanted to make sure the girls I photograph not only fall within a line of brand consistency of the brands I'm shooting for, yep. but, but build their brand, right? Like for example, Elsa Husk, who is a is Victoria's Secret angel for years and years. And she's curvy. She's, she, when I say curvy, I mean, she has boobs and yep. she has, you know, she is it's a beautiful woman, mm -hmm. woman, right? So, but when I hired her at age of 17, she came on set with her mom for guests. She didn't have any chest she didn't have to curve like a womanly curve but i can see the beauty and sexiness in her eyes and the innocence in her eyes was like early Marilyn monroe you know norma jean it was like amazing 
and her mom was on set and I said to her mom I go when she develops more she's gonna be a mega star because she has everything in her eyes mm-hmm. and within a year's time she blew up massive right but I can tell you at the time even guests did not understand her at first because they only knew physically they needed to shoot girls with busty chest c plus you know Mm -hmm. that was what the owner at the time always want to make sure that we're hiring girls at that size so was that sexism or was that celebrating diversity i can't tell you right that's on him but for me i loved it and as i moved my career forward and i can tell that our directors really celebrated that with me Mm -hmm. and when when I started shooting a lot of covers. It made a lot of sense why I was doing it because you wouldn't put anybody on a cover unless they're powerful or feel powerful and look powerful and confident. And being beautiful and sexy is powerful, is confident for women, mm-hmm. for men too. But my subject were mostly women. And, and it did translate over to men when I started shooting Esquire, right? It's the same notion. Whatever men I'm shooting, he's gonna be the sexiest. He's gonna be the most confident gentleman on the cover of GQ or Esquire. So I think that conversation was happening for certain publications. And I don't work for Tom Ford. I don't work for Gucci. I don't work for Fendi. I don't work for these brands who are size twos and, 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 and the negative connotation that comes with fashion have to be size zero on the fashion runway shows. I didn't breathe. I didn't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I absolutely did not drink that Kool-Aid. And I celebrated curvy. I celebrated body positivity for 10 years with Sports Illustrated. And it, we were, I would have to say, people looked at us weird back then for that conversation. And look at, look at it now, right? Yeah, yeah. Sports, Sports Illustrated, the swimsuit edition, which you've worked for a lot. Um, yeah, they seem very forward thinking. Like I saw some of the stuff. I don't know if it was last year, but it was on your Instagram. You photographed a bunch of different types of body types, different people, different ages. I think one of the women you photographed was the the oldest. Uh, Kathy. Yeah, yeah, which was interesting. And as a photographer, I'd imagine at least for me, I'm a portrait guy too. The thing that's interesting about photography is photographing different types of people and meeting different types of people and interacting with these different people. So if you're just doing the same thing over and over again, it's boring. Like, so it's, it's good. It's- fashion is different, right? Yeah. In fashion, they want that perfect muse. They want that perfect model. It's Karen Elson's. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's these, this unobtainable beauty and for me, Sports Illustrated has always been about, even though we shoot some of the most unattainable beauty, we make them relatable when yep. we shoot them yep. in the magazine, right? And that has to do with the editor-in-chief, MJ. MJ Day took on the role as editor-in-chief five, six years ago, and she really put her stamp on this magazine should not just be a magazine that sits in the bathroom for men to flip through sitting on the toilet for way too long. <laughs> it's a magazine that women want to pick up and celebrate themselves. And that's a huge movement that we're now just seeing other magazines starting to realize and following it and making part of the trend. Yeah, You know what? I'm celebrated with them. I don't care that things are trend. I hope that these tearship moments have happened over the years will somehow stay. Mm -hmm. So the conversation will continue to happen. For me, The most memorable and difficult moment I had to go through as a photographer with a model was with Kay Upton. You know, when she was 17, I found her on this 
new elite, I believe at the time, as a new face. And, and I was blown away by her beauty. I was like, oh my God, this girl is beautiful. Nobody understands her. I can, she's going to be a star. She's going to yeah. be a star. And nobody believed her. I bought her into LA to shoot her when she was 18. On set that very day, I even said to her, you don't need to model. You should just go be an actress. You're oh, wow. that good. Yeah. And, and her and I are so close because we have these kind of conversations. But over that span of 18 to 24, I have to tell you, it wasn't easy for her because the noises that's to my ear when I recommend her for brands, people would say she's fat. That's right? like so crazy. I remember when she had her first cover that was like everyone was talking. I was like, she's fat. What are you guys talking about? This is it was crazy. Funny. <laughs> like, like, can you imagine as a woman going through that, as a young model going through that? I was there with her, you know, sit within a hotel room. We, we were both in tears trying to figure out what did we do wrong? Yeah. As I am celebrating her on Esquire cover, that was the first major cover. And she followed up with her GQ cover with Terry Richardson, which in fact, her story, not mine, but there were situations happened on that set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was awful for her. Yep. And she had to, you know, figure out where to get her gumption and, and get up and work. And this is job for her. Mm -hmm. And I got to see that. And that was hard. It was hard to hear people calling her overweight or whatnot. And, and, and I'm guilty of it, right? I'm guilty of it saying, oh, she's probably a little fat right now to fit into those jeans. Now, could we use the word, a different word? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what I meant earlier when we said we all need to adjust. Yeah. Yes. Even though I know her so well, should I have used that word on her? And should I continue to perpetuate that notion mm -hmm. no i could have probably adjusted myself in a different way which i do now mm -hmm. but but the fact is i didn't care what yeah. size she was at, at the time i just want her on set because i love spending time with her i love traveling with her we've yeah. gone to Belize <laughs> together we've gone to fiji together we shot around <laughs> the world together and this is a i mean she's dear to my heart she's my sister she's my you know mm. my muse yeah. still I, I love her but yes the conversation, long answer to a short question. How do I feel about it? Fucking celebrate it. Mm -hmm. Stop making a trend about it because I'm so sorry. Look at what Binti is doing with Rihanna. That she is celebrating every color under the rainbow and putting every size of model on her website. Yep. You know what? There were two guys, big black guys, were belly hanging over the underwear. But guess what? That is 99% of the people in the world that's buying them <laughs> clothes. Yeah. Wake up. Yeah. Wake up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I might so you got me excited talking about this because about time. Yeah. I'm not, I don't care to be the pioneer of it. I don't care in the leading of the way. Just be part of the conversation, knowing that this should be what we celebrate. And along the same way that I'm trying to celebrate Asian culture as well. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't until this pandemic for me to realize how marginalized the Asian community have been in the fashion industry. Not even fashion. If you look at like television, movies, like look at what uh, before like uh, Crazy Rich Asians, like how many leading like Asian men or like, women were in movies? Not very many. Like I think back in the day, like Margaret Cho, uh, I think she had her own TV show. But then after that, like, I can't really think of that many, like which is this kind of crazy. Well, she was definitely a pioneer. She she came on my show. We talked about that, that she really led the way for, for Ellen. Like she mm -hmm. led the way for other women who are queers, were able to like find a, a place for themselves. And, 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 and she's incredible because she'd done that. 
And I looked up to her because I did relate when I watched the screen go, I get it. And we have, you know, we have Constance show called um, Fresh Off the Bow. Oh, yeah. Eddie Eddie Wong. Man, I love Eddie Wong. He was one of the creators. That guy. Have you had him on your show yet? Not yet. Oh, you got him, man. That guy. That guy is amazing. Amazing. And that's what I mean by there are a lot of people in in our community have done well. And I know that in an early pandemic, I I complained a lot. Mm. I was angry at the the marginalized in our society as Asian American, because I saw so many old people being perpetrated by ignorant people being beat up because they were a mask, right? It made you reflect on who you are and how you can make a difference for your own community. Mm -hmm. I was very, I had blindsided everywhere because I did not work as an Asian photographer per se. I was a photographer period, right? I did not, ever lean into my race to get to the place I hope to be at. I lean into that, my culture, my work ethic, how I was brought up and what I want to do and need to do, but never because I'm Asian. Therefore you should hire me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's never been, been a conversation, but that's wrong. Now I realize I'm one of the privileged Asian people in the States. I have enough TV shows. I have a lot of opportunities given to me. And now I'm leaning into them because I know it's my responsibility to lean into them so that others can have that benefit. I have to continue to talk about, yes, I got to do this and I'm Asian. Mm-hmm. Not because I got to do this, just because I'm Usai. But look at my name is Asian. Recognize that, know that. And that's what's, that's my journey now. And that has that will affect the way I photograph for sure. I know that that would be that will change the way I cast for sure. You know, I I want to shoot as many colorful people as possible, and I'm not eliminating white is in that color mm. because I you know I I will still do that, but I want to make sure that whatever we contribute as artists, we're finding balance, like we yeah. find equilibrium. We're finding the equality that everybody's looking for because to fix the big racism in a black culture, you have to celebrate young black artists. You have to give them opportunity to have Asians to be a leading actor on TV. You have to use them for background. You have to hire them, not just for behind the scenes, but in front of it. Yeah. Right. So we have to have these conversations and, 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 that's the journey I'm on. So yes, do I care about inclusion? Absolutely. Not just about size, but race, age, all of it. Yeah, definitely, man. It's so important. And like I've been having this conversation more. I should have been having it years before, but I think it's good people are talking about it. Because when you look at art, what is art? Like in my mind, art is culture, art is people. And if everyone doesn't have a seat at the table, like what are we doing? Like, so I, I think hopefully people are listening and hopefully we'll see this kind of more doors and more uh, people getting a voice, you know? Well, most importantly, I hold magazine publication, all the publications accountable. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that. Why would it take a publication to make mandates that you must have diversity on set in order for the people who work there to realize that that's what you should have done in the first place. Yeah. Especially if you're a person of color to begin with. And I say people of color, I mean, Asians, Indians, Muslims, whatever, Mexicans, Hispanics, you name it. Mm -hmm. We 
unresponsible to celebrate our color. We have to. And I think it's because the idea of assimilation, the idea of you have to be part of the white common denominator in order to succeed in this business that we're in, it's what made our business so lack of diversity and yeah. so faceted in a way that's not good. We're bipolar in so many ways. And and I I get very angry. I get very, very angry. And I'm trying to change that anger into passion for passion to compassion, compassion Dude, to well, you're you're doing it, man. You're doing it with I, your show, man. You're putting people out there and people that didn't because you have a large following and it's opened my it opened my eyes to a lot of people just looking at all the interviews you're doing. Like I knew a lot of the people, but then there's other people I didn't know. So it's just kind of even for me, I'm learning. And I think that's the main thing, you know? Absolutely. And 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 I'm so happy that you invite me on the show. I'm so happy that you're having photographers talk because photographers are not known to speak up. <laughs> it just is the nature of it. It's a nature that you're behind the camera and you just need to click behind that camera. And somehow it's actually very difficult for a lot of photographers to express what they want. They yeah. just know how to show you, right? But more conversation we have, more you will shift the the climate of how we see things and more we'll put on more positivity out in the mm-hmm. world right now. you know I, I it's I'm not I'm not trying to be an activist yep I just want to do what's right 100% and that's all we can do to contribute and I I hope I hope that people recognize that about my work mm-hmm. I hope that people do continue to keep my my work accountable, right? And my behavior accountable. Because that's the only way I think an apology works and matters. I think we all have demons. I think we all have missteps. And it's be able to say, let me know what they are and give me the opportunity to change. Yep. We have this cancel culture that is so prevalent right now. Oh, just, just get rid of that person. Just get rid of that. Well, take the time to understand that person's journey. Does it make it okay? Yep. But at least have compassion and then make that decision whether or not it's a cancel culture for this situation or not. Right. And I'm saying that out loud, not for my own sake, but for a lot of my peers, I seen it. Right. I, I, I look back and go, wow. Okay. That situation, that person's really at it wrong. When I have an opportunity, let's talk about it and let's see what we have learned from it because mm-hmm. he's also teaching me or she's teaching me how to move forward. Right. Yep. And yeah, that's all we can do is have these conversations over and over until it becomes our new normal. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, m- much respect for everything you're doing. Um, are you cool to go a couple more minutes? Yeah. All right, going. cool, man. You know, I we, t- we talked about it a, a little bit. This kind of the work you've done with uh, Sports Illustrated. Um, I was just kind of curious because, like, the swimsuit edition, obviously, I grew up looking at it. Like, it's a huge, like, thing. Um, it, it comes out like, once a year. Like, what do you kind of how do you kind of become involved with that and like what's your kind of approach each year to photographing that issue because it seems like it's very iconic you guys literally travel everywhere like so i guess like what's kind of been your overall experience working on that issue every year i guess well i've been doing it for about 12 years wow and when I first started shooting for that magazine because i had an incredible relationship with the model that was in the magazine mv and she loved my work. I, I, I photographed her a few times for different magazines and she really enjoyed working with me. And she recommended me mm-hmm. to the editor in chief at the time. 
and say, if I'm going to go somewhere for SI, I would love to recommend this photographer because he's fun to be on set. I love working with him and, and he, I love the way he captured me. Yeah. So that, like you said, I go what you said earlier, the relationship I've built with the models um, really helped me to get into the magazine. But the magazine has evolved a lot, right? Back 10, 12 years ago, I was really focusing on to shoot images that for men to love, to, for men to embrace. Mm-hmm. And, and over the years, we started adjusting and really focusing on what's beautiful for the models, right? And the transition had to take its time slowly because we would pivot too fast, you lose your audience. The journey for me, every trip is like a brand, it's a brand new trip yeah. because it's all different models. And I don't often know who they are until I get on the plane. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of times the models in each issue are like they're not known models. Like obviously you've shot famous people like Olivia Culpo and like uh, like all these bigger models, but a lot of times it's like it can be kind of a fresh model or people don't don't know them as much. So there's two parts of Sports Illustrated that I'm involved with. One is shooting for the actual publication, and I actually shoot Sports Illustrated Sports Edition too. I shot a few covers for them. Yeah, but for for the swimsuit issues that. MJ Day really picks a photographer she feels will capture whoever the models the most beautiful, right? For example, I love shooting Ashley Graham. Mm-hmm. I love shooting Hunter McGrady. And I actually celebrate both of them because they're so beautiful to me. Yep. Other male photographers, other female photographers, whatever they are, other photographers, I should say, may not know how to capture them, mm-hmm. right? Because they're, they're not the standard size. And there are angle that's more flattering and so forth. But I love that 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 subject matter. Yep. I love to be able to celebrate them who they are and photograph them. And then I also love models that are not so great at moving because I love dancing with them. I know how to coach them. I know how to pose, how to guide them. So MJ will find models within groups of pool of models that she's casting for that issue and pair the photographers that best for those models. Mm. So she has done that with other, other photographers as well. And like James McCary, it's fantastic at shooting sportsmen and sportswomen, right? Sportswomen, actually incredible at shooting athletes. And yep. the way he shoots, I admire the way he shoots. He's so different than how I see the world. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even know how to see his world through his <laughs> eyes because yeah. it's just a different way of seeing women and celebrate them as athletes. And, and, and that's what makes the magazine so unique. There yeah. are about six photographers or so five to six photographers a year that get to shoot. And this question get asked a lot is, do we know who's going to be on the cover? No, we don't. Yeah. We never know. We oftentimes thinking this moment that I'm in right now is actually perfect for a cover. And I tell you, I shot for 12 years. I had those thinking for many, many times. And many, many times they did not make the cover. Oh, wow. So you're even, yeah, you're going out there, you're shooting. And yeah, you just don't even know. It could be Kate Upton. It could be Olivia Coolball or whatever. And you don't even know. it's So yeah. yeah. You don't. I shot Kate when she's on the cover. I There's one year I shot Gigi Hadi. Yep. Um, Irina Shake. I shot Kate Upton on that trip. I shot, in a, and I think Ashley Graham was on that trip. Any one of those girls could have gotten the cover. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't them. Yep. And it was somebody else. And I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. I don't remember. I shot so much. I don't remember which year and what issue and who actually got the cover. But it, 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 we don't know. Oh, I think it was Jared Dieter's wife, Hannah, Hannah Dieter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she shot. And, and so 
beautiful. And I got to work with her the following year. So you never know. So we show up blindly, but you show up at the most beautiful beach in the world. Yeah. You know, you Fiji, you have the best food, you have an amazing hotel, and they treat me like they treat me the most incredible way that allowed me to get up every day at 4 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning and work my ass off with no complaints. You yeah, know, I, one thing I was kind of curious at looking at those photos, like, like, do they give you a lot of creative direction? Like, say you're going to you've gone to Switzerland, you got to, probably gone to like Bali and these really amazing places. Are, are, do you know exactly like what location you're going to shoot at each day or do you kind of just kind of go out there and this kind of organically this try different stuff in these tropical locations or how like planned out are these shoots i guess so the producers um cindy blair and she always goes ahead of time or have photographs of the beaches of wherever region we're going to be in and there may be 30 different beaches in Bali, for example. And there may be, and, and what I'll do is I'll look at the beaches and say, well, I like the sunset on this side during the day. And I like the sunset in the afternoon. So I kind of plan everything out based on Sunseeker, mm-hmm. right? Because if I look at the model, for example, this is something a photographer, young photographer, my love, this, this little detail that I do. And that is I'll look at my castle models and I'll look at which day they're coming in. Mm-hmm. And I would figure out she has light color eyes, and I look at her book and I go, she can never look into direct sun. Okay, I want to shoot her backlight and where is it best for backlight but still show the beach, yeah. right? So it's a little pieces of things to move around or, oh, this model would be great only in open shade. Let me find a location that's a jungle. Let me find a location that's branches. This model doesn't know how to pose as well. Let's make sure we shoot by a rock so she can lean against because it's very hard to shoot in open water and pose, right? Yeah. So, and then I can look at a model and go, oh, she's, she's an amazing swimmer. Like Hannah was an amazing swimmer. I'm like, I want to do an underwater shot, her wow. diving with the sharks. Irina, I shot her with sharks all around her. I did a, I did a shot where above water and below water. And that shot was so amazing because it was done in camera. Everybody thought it was crazy that there's no way I shot that. And went behind the scene a video that mm-hmm. uh, showing all these sharks were swimming around her. And the funny thing about that shoe is that in order to get the shark to get close to her, we actually, well, Irina did it herself. She put fish base in her bikini, back of her bikini. Holy so shit. <laughs> and then we have people splashing water to keep the shark from not actually getting to her. That's how dedicated she, Jesus she was. Yeah. Um, but yes, they're incredibly planned out. So I show up about two days before. Mm-hmm. I scout the location. I look at, I mark my, my ground and I take photos. And by the time the team comes in about two days later, I show my my strategy how i want to shoot for the next 10 days sometimes yeah. all day sometimes sometimes 14 days and then we'll have alternate pockets of locations that okay if we have time we can go here if we have time yeah. we can go here so that's how we work and there's a there's two teams on the set always there's a video team and there's my team and we will correspond with each other because we shoot a lot of behind the scene photos mm-hmm. uh, videos and so yes it's incredibly planned out now there are days it'll be raining so there's always a there's always a a a backup plan. Yeah. Example: If it rains on this day, because we'll look at the forecast. You know, if it rains this day, we'll shoot right by the front lobby of the entering entryway, which is amazing doorway. It'll still be a beautiful picture. Yep. So we think that all the time, and also high tide, low tide. Oh yeah, true. I know. I think I can be a surfer because I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. 
high tide, low tide. Okay, when do we go to which beach and when do you get the best light? And, and that's the fun part of it. I love technical stuff like that. So that's behind the scene a bit of how we yeah we pull together. Yeah, yeah I, I got more questions. I'll let you go. Uh, in terms of that, I guess like when you're working with these models on those type of shoots, like you said, sometimes you've never worked with them before. Like, is it take a while to kind of build a rapport with them? Because like these shoots are very kind of like, obviously it's a big crew but it's still intimate like these people are kind of posing and all these things does it kind of take you a while to build that relationship and how do you kind of do that with someone you've never worked with before well there are two types of models that shows up on set one is the type that know my work Mm -hmm. and respect my work they're very experienced they know that we're going to just jump right in and produce together and then there's another type of models that are younger and through model search, for example, Sports Illustrated has a model search program. Yep. And I actually meet all those girls that way ahead of time doing the model search uh, process. I'm part of the, the, the process of meeting the girls, narrowing them down, finding the top. MJ picked the final six, but I'm part of the process of photographing them ahead of time. So they've met me, but mm-hmm. very, not an intimate way and not in a true photo shoot way. But they're the type of model that show up really nervous. Yeah, for sure. It's I mean, it's an I, iconic thing. It's huge. It's like I can. It, it's got to be intimidating. So for me, I gone out so far to make models comfortable in doing stupidest thing. For example, <laughs> Emily Dalton'ato showed up on a shoot on the top of a mountain, so you can see the Matterhorn behind her in Switzerland. Wow. Her first shot of the day, hundreds of people were at that lookout. It was freezing cold. We got up on top of when she came on set. We never worked together before, but she's a very well-known model, but I could tell that she wasn't hundred percent comfortable in the space that she's in. She's out in Switzerland with all these people. She's going to be in a skinny little bikini. Yeah. Everybody's going to stare. And she was trepidatious. And I went up to her and said, are you okay? She's like, well, there's a lot of people here and it's kind of cold. And I said, hold on. I gave my camera to my assistant and I stripped down to my underwear. <laughs> I like it, man. We're we're, we're doing this together. That's right. So I said to her, let them look at me and then we're going to shoot you. Yeah. They're going to laugh at me, but they're going to celebrate you. Yeah. And that's how I kind of build a rapport with her. There was another situation in Switzerland as well that we were at this lake. It was so beautiful. The reflection of the, actually the Matterhorn was in the water and I wanted Genevieve to walk into the water. It was freezing cold. Yeah. And it was like, you just got to get in. Let's do this. As she's walking in slowly, I could tell that we, we're going to lose the light. I got down to my underwear again, and I just went into the water. <laughs> it was so cold. After I finished the final shot, I had hypothermia. Wow. So I dedicate myself into the cause to get the picture. Yep. And, and I make them feel comfortable as fast as possible. I know all the girls, the top six, for example, for the model search, was they're nervous. Mm-hmm. I know why they're nervous. I know the older one is thinking that she, oh my God, this, I, I have to like be a representation for all the older models. What do I do? I, I, I got to try harder. Then I have mm. to talk her down from, from that and say, listen, just be you and just celebrate who you are. Let me just shoot you as you, not you for Sports Illustrated. Let's figure out who you are first. So we work the kinks out. And there are definitely models that, that moves too fast because they're so nervous. Then I just slow them down. I'm a very commutative person photographer yeah I, I don't believe there's ever silence on my set you don't ever he- not hear me whether it's correcting celebrating or 
giving directions or, or yelling for wins lunch, right? This, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's an important, that's an important question, man. <laughs> you know, very important. But so yes, those, those are, those are truly the moments on those sets that, that's, that I love and miss right now, right? I absolutely miss it so much. I miss the fact that, that I get to scream across, you know, these beautiful blue oceans at a gorgeous girl to capture these surprise moments that they don't give to anybody else. And that's yeah. why I, I think that's what make every photographer different. Our techniques are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not just was illustrated, even showing up to shoot an editorial, you know, on, on land in the studio, the best analogy I can give to young photographers is imagine that you have, you go to a dance mm-hmm. and you see a pretty girl that you want to dance or pretty guy you want to dance with. You want to dance with that person. You got to get rid of your nerves yourself. Yeah. And you have to be the one ask because she ain't coming to you. He ain't coming to you. True. But once you have them in your hand, you have to lead. Yeah. No, you got to lead and make sure you don't step on their toes and you got to <laughs> hit that crescendo. You got to dance like <laughs> for the very first time and the very last time, right? Yeah. Truly, if you believe the moment you have that moment, it's the very first time you're going to have it and the very last time you're going to have it, mm-hmm. you're going to capture an image that you will treasure forever. Yeah. Well, that's You'll never be dated, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, you, you shoot portraits. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to be like, oh, I've done this before, another portrait, right? But when you look through the lens, you see the person's eye, you know you're capturing a moment, very special moment. It's only given to you at this moment in time. And you know, nobody else in this world gonna be able to capture that, even though they're knockoff artists or not. Even painters cannot knock off Picasso 100%, right? Because no. those are your artistry. And I think young photographers out there, especially the Gen Zs who are learning how to shoot photos from TikTok, yeah. <laughs> um, they're all learning technique. Good for them. Mm-hmm. But I hope they take the time to learn history, first of all, about photography, number one. And the history of photography will help a lot to understand how it evolved and where it's at right now. And without Sally Mang, you wouldn't have the, the photography of Sidney Sherman. And without Sidney Sherman, you wouldn't have the cover of Cosmo because how she celebrated women translate over to that conversation, right? Yeah. So understanding that helps. And then really, really, Get rid of the technique. Yep. Get rid of the technique and learn to be human because that digital box that you talk to is not going to be the model that's going to be on set with you, right? Yeah. It, it's different. It's very different. But but it's an amazing privilege to ha- to be in this industry. You know, it's a privilege, and and, and I, I I love it. Yeah, man. Well, you can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this, man. I guess my last question: What's next for you, man? Obviously, crazy times, but. Anything you're hoping to work on moving forward, I guess? Well, I shot a few campaigns during this time, and they're just waiting for its time to release. So I'm hoping they're coming out soon when the, when the time is proper for them to market these products I photographed. I'm excited for that. I, I'm excited to see what happens to Let's Talk. Because the way I'll convert it into a podcast, I am doing all the voiceover work on it. Mm-hmm. And I really, really think it's significant, the conversation I'm having not just for me, yep. but the person across from me. And I hope my work will contribute to celebrate diversity in a way that we all deserve a seat at the table and we all can stay at the table and earn the place there when we get, once we get there. Because getting invited is fine, but you can get kicked out easy, right? If you don't have the chops. I, I, I would love to, to focus on sometime writing again 
Um, my dream has always been to direct feature. I've done music videos over the okay. year, but features always been that's what I always wanted to do. I, I and I remember when I moved away from directing, I asked myself then, am I giving up directing? And there were times I felt like I it was a choice because the environment told me that they don't need a director like me because of the type of work I was doing. But now I realize, in a recent time, I realize the journey I've gone through shooting all these celebrities and models and then the people I've met, even presidents, mm -hmm. uh, they gave me even greater story and they build a greater relationship that if, when, I shouldn't say if, when I have a script, when I have an idea, I have an easier resistant path to get mm -hmm. to the people that will look at it and view it and read it. Yeah. It's 10 years ago. I don't got that number. <laughs> <laughs> now at least I got the number. No, they might not answer me. <laughs> However. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I yes, thank you so much for for inviting me here and yeah, man. Can't thank you enough, man. I really enjoyed like for I've done a lot of these, man. But this is top of the list for me, man. I really enjoyed talking to you about everything, man. I can't thank you enough. Thank you for doing what you're doing. I think it's so important. And and I, I within I have listened to uh, not all the podcasts for the people I know. I wanted to check it out, mm -hmm. and I'm so happy and proud of you that you're doing this because we don't have enough content. For photographers out there yep. and we're and i'm so proud of photographers saying yes to you yeah man. Not, i i pause them i pause them for it because it is easy to say no mm -hmm. and i know that because yeah. i too every week looking for guests right yeah it's hard man. more <laughs> no's and it's hard but honestly do it for the right reason and keep doing keep having these conversations and they'll come yeah man i love it it's addicting i ain't stopping well uh Yo, have a good. I'll, I'll let you go, you. But uh, thanks so much. And uh, for people listening, I'll put a link to use uh, uh, website, his Instagram, and all his uh, his YouTube and everything. You can go check out all his cool interviews. But uh, thanks so much, you. Thank you so much. Later, man. Bye bye. So there you have it. That was the you Psy interview. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him about everything he's kind of worked on over the course of his career. Um, really talented photographer, artist, um, has done a lot. Um, so definitely go check out Yu's website at usai.com, as well as his Instagram, usai88. Um, lots of cool videos up there. He has a cool interview, like podcast series himself called Let's Talk with Usai. Uh, really cool interviews and different stuff. So definitely go give him a follow. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. Um, so definitely go give us a follow, subscribe, and check that out. And as always, thanks so much for listening, and take care.